there's a reason we're called Methodist. There yeah. is a method for everything. <laughs> there's a list so, for everything, yeah. So I love his his rules for interpreting scripture because they really speak a okay. lot into what we have been saying. Um I'm also going to tell you that because we're in the in the ethereal and I'm gonna steal from Sam, we're at the thirty thousand foot view. Um I have summed these up in Christianese, um, so they're sure. not necessarily uh, John Wesley's exact words. But he okay. said, um, when you are interpreting Scripture, he said, we are to speak as the oracles of God, mm. um, by which he meant use the language of Scripture, yeah. right? Um, he also said we should read Scripture and use the literal sense as yeah. literally as possible, unless it contradicts another text yeah. or is, and I love this word, Absurd. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the West Pod, a place where Wesleyan theology and real life meet, and we're all just holding on to the promise that the best of all is God is with us. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of the West Pod podcast. My name is John, and I am back this week. Hey, Kristen. Hey, how are you? I'm doing just fine. I feel so much better this week than I did last week. Good. When I missed because I was sick. And so, Ugh. got all healed up. But just it's a, not the Rona. No. She didn't little, pay you a visit. Just a little virus thing. You know, the doctor said no COVID and just virus. Go home and rest and you'll be fine. And I went home and rested and I'm fine. So There you go. I feel like <laughs> you were just trying to get an extra nap in. Oh, I got a lot of naps in. <laughs> yeah, d- definitely. While you and Sam were in here um, filming, or not film. this isn't video. This isn't video. While you were audio recording the podcast, I was definitely at home with a fever asleep. So, But I'm so glad to be back on this side of life and back here for WestPod today. Awesome. So it's good to be here with you. Well, Sam was uh, a gracious co-host and helped kick us off. Um, we had a few math lessons, which is I awesome. I know. Um, Sam learned uh, that a quadrilateral is a shape with four sides. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I did get a kick out of that when I was listening back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I was very proud of him for, for diving into the math. And frankly, I was proud of myself for diving into math. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah he was like four quad. <laughs> oh, it's a shape. Oh, like, yeah. I'm, I get I'm it so now. glad I got to hear him have that epiphany on our podcast. Yeah. So. If this were videoed, that would be the section where the light bulb goes off and you hear the ting. Yeah. Did, did he get like a rip? Did his eyes get big and he smiled? <laughs> and like leaned forward in his chair? Uh, yes. All of the above. That's so cool. All of the above. I'm so glad he was here. Yes. And it was fun to kick it off and just kind of do a high level of um, what the quadrilateral is, and yeah, so it's a shape. It's a shape. It's a shape, and uh, we talked about it theologically. And Blake is still drawing up what the Wesleyan Pythagorean theorem looks like. Oh. So maybe we'll come back with that okay. math lesson too. <laughs> yeah, original Pythagorean theorem: mm. a squared plus b squared equals c squared. Right? Very nice. For uh, triangle work. Yes. I'm a, I have a seventh grader, and right now my brain is like totally in slope intercept, right? Ugh. Y equals mx plus no, b, and I'm no, remembering no, no, no. why I really don't like math. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I'm right there with it. I was a religion major for a reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I'll say, I, you know, I went into like you know, history and literature and languages and religion and all these things that I just love studying, and um, I cross-registered and when I was in seminary at Bright at TC, I cross-registered over at the University of Dallas and took some uh, Greek in the classics department. And we were doing a 
some sight reading one day in class, and uh, it was my turn to read, and I'm, I'm reading this, and, and translating this from Greek, it was like, side A, side B, the length, the width, and it was like all this math-sailing stuff, and... Um, you know, we didn't. We weren't told who the author was on the site reading, and then afterward, the teacher was like, "Yeah, that's a uh, from uh, Pythagoras." Like, <laughs> like oh, it's like I I took this to get away from math, <laughs> and yet it found you. Yeah, so uh, you know, you, you can definitely find some old uh, Greek literature on math, which is terrible. I will not go hunt that don't, down. Don't don't go do that. <laughs> they also have medical texts too, though, which involve such good advice as, you know, take a hot bath and then take a cold bath. And that was that was pretty much the extent of medicine in the ancient world. <laughs> you know, they still give out that advice. Uh, yeah. You know, heat, cold, heat, yeah. cold. <laughs> Which brings us to the quadrilateral. <laughs> we're just going to circle back yeah. and, and bring it back into what we're supposed we're to gonna, be talking about today. We're going to bring our, our skill in creating segues from nothing. <laughs> To, to bear on this conversation. <laughs> so, so if you were with us last week, we talked about um, kind of a high-level overview of what the quadrilateral is. Um, we talked about it being kind of a lens through which we view um, life and live this life that we call Christian. Yes. Um, Wesley, uh, Wesley would probably say this is the center of our faith, right? Yeah. Um, that it's the quadrilateral that helps us to live out our faith the most fully. Mm-hmm. Um and so uh, we talked about the four parts, scripture, tradition, reason, and experience. Uh, Sam and I kind of did a little bit of a segue, um, not segue, that's not the word I want to use. We we chased a rabbit trail, there we go, Yeah. Um, and talked about which one of those we tend to lean on and which one oh, scares yeah. us. Yeah. So I think it's only fair that you answer those questions too. Yeah, so I think the one that I kind of lean on more is um, scripture, and then the one that kind of scares me um, would probably be, uh, I, I would think, like, the tradition side of it. Really? Honestly. Yeah. Say more about that. Um, I don't know. I think it's, it's probably just, like, in, in my roots and in the blood, like, when I, as I was growing up, because I was, I, I was raised in a lot of places where— um, and we'll get in, actually planning on getting into this more later in the podcast episode, um, where tradition was viewed as just a, a negative thing. Um, and uh, so I think that I have found a lot of richness and vitality in the traditions of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, but for some reason, it still scares me a little bit. I don't know. Huh. I feel I feel fairly comfortable or safe with reason, um, but unlike like my Myers-Briggs, I'm like an introverted thinker type person. So, I mean, reason is, is, is cool. And um, experience. Um, I also find that I lean on that quite a bit too. Mm-hmm. But I have some Pentecostal charismatic days in my background as well. And, and I think experience is probably highlighted in that tradition mm-hmm. uh, quite a bit. And yeah, so I'm not afraid of any one of them, but I would probably put tradition. Kind of up there. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So I'm an ENFP. Uh-huh. Um, and, I, and I'm an INTP, by the way. So oh. I just said introverted thinker, but INTP, you're ENFP. Yep, yep. You, um, I think you and my husband are the same. I think he's an INTP. Is he an INTP? I think so. 
You know, knowing Josh, that would kind of make sense. Yeah. I could see him being that. Yeah. We we laugh. We did a I'm I'm chasing Where, another rabbit trail, but we we did a study once on yeah. Myers Briggs and couples. And um the ENFP and the INTP should never be married because oh, the gosh, ENFP feels so much and feels uh-huh. feels all the feels all the yes. time and just carries them and and celebrates and, them. And even right now, like my hands are huge and wide as I'm explaining this. Yeah. Um, and, uh, the INTP is like, Ooh, that feels a lot like emotional baggage. Yep. Get that away from me. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're a rare breed, but we're a good breed. Uh, but we are kind of emotional robots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. I, I think my oldest daughter is also INTP. <laughs> yeah. What yeah. one of my, we are getting off on so many rabbit trails and tangents. We are. <laughs> there, anyway, there's a funny INTP group on Facebook and then. To become the master of segues once again. <laughs> this brings us to the quadrilateral. This brings us back to scripture. No, um, so you said scripture is uh, mm-hmm. what you uh, tend to lean on, and tradition yeah. is what you tend to maybe draw away from. Yeah, push out um, a little bit. Maybe, so yeah. we're gonna we're gonna make you feel real good in the first part of this podcast, and make you feel Wonderful. real nervous in the second because. Mm-hmm. Scripture and tradition are exactly what we're talking about and today. And they go together very well. They well. do. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, in our book of discipline, the language of how the quadrilateral works mm-hmm. um, is really interesting. It says uh, that this is the living core of the Christian faith. And so this living core of the Christian faith is revealed in Scripture, illumined by tradition, vivified in personal experience, and confirmed by reason. Yes. Um so basically, Scripture gives us all that we need mm-hmm. um, to live a Christian faith, a Christian life, um, and we see that as it's passed down through the church mm-hmm. um, in in all of our theologies that that have stood the test of time. Um, we live it out. We are the ones who give that faith life when we do good works in the world, and um, it makes sense. Like when we say confirmed by reason, it yeah. it makes sense. It's not something that you um, feel like has come out of left field. Does yeah. that feel pretty fair? Yeah, definitely. A nice little summary of the BOD. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is. I'm actually looking at the page right now. That oh, is look a good. At you. Yeah. I'm a I'm a very good Methodist minister. I have that part highlighted in my book of discipline. Just um, so you guys can see the difference. Yeah. When we started this podcast, John said that I would be the one that was really serious. And uh, he would be the one that would be the distraction. Yeah. Uh, but he came in with like five books today, and I came in with one and some notes. <laughs> 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 and I am the one who keeps diverting us. So <laughs> no, it's all good. We this is this is this is good conversation we're having today. <laughs> it really is. Um, but you know the when we talk about the book of discipline, which if you know if you are United Methodist and listening to this, you know what the book of discipline is. If you're not United Methodist and you're uh, or new to Methodism uh, and you're listening to this, you're like, "What is a book of discipline? That sounds terrible." Um, <laughs> it's it's essentially our 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 um, you know, kind of the we call it the voice of the church. You know, it's the, our book of church law. It's our radio instructions. It's, yeah. Right. You know, Do you remember it, in Beetlejuice when they found the handbook <laughs> for the recently deceased? That's kind of what the book of discipline feels like when you're reading it. It's radio right. instructions. Well, and, you know, it does have a list of the bishops of the church at the beginning of it. So if any of them are deceased recently, it could be the handbook. <laughs> oh, no. I just see, see, that's just like. Uh, very dark humor. That was that was we. It's it's October. We can be dark, right? It, we're watching all kinds of scary movies and stuff in our personal lives right now. So, uh, like Halloween Town. 
Uh, we've been watching The Haunting of Hill House. Oh, see, you are watching a scary one. I've I've watched Beetlejuice, Adam's Family, and Halloween Town. Yeah, my kids are I wanting to watch <laughs> the um, Nightmare Before Christmas, and I think we're going to eventually do that. But that has never made it yeah. into our rotation. My girls are not big fans. Yeah, our kids like it. I feel like you've got to have a particularity to your personality to like. Tim yeah, Burton. that like that Tim Burton quirky stuff. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> but yeah, so. Hunting of Hill House is a little creepy though. But it's good. It's good. So <laughs> so back to our back, handbook for the recently right. deceased. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but in in the book of discipline, you'll find the constitution of our church. Um, you also find a section on our doctrinal standards and general rules. And the discussion of what we're talking about today really falls under a section um, called our theological task. Mm-hmm. And while the Book of Discipline doesn't say quadrilateral, four-side shape, it does call these different um, things we're talking about, scripture, tradition, reason, experience, uh, sources for our mm-hmm. theological task. Um, and I think that's a, that's a really good way of saying it, right? right? Like, this is what we draw from. When we're, when we're going about the task of of thinking theologically, thinking about God, trying to find out how to be the church in the world, trying to figure out how to be people of faith in the world and bear witness. Um, where do we go? Where do we go for information? Where do we go for, um, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, guidance. Yeah. Inspiration, guidance, information. Um, thank you for supplying that very simple word for me. <laughs> I was just guessing. Yeah. <laughs> Guide. Yeah, this is this is where we go. It's like in Sunday school when yeah. they're trying to get the right answer. Jesus. Jesus. Gui- guidance. <laughs> guidance. Yep. Turns out that's what I was looking for. So you you had mentioned the quadrilateral is not mentioned by name. Like all the right. pieces of it are mentioned in the discipline. Exactly. So this is kind of a nice place to just kind of interject that it was never really called the quadrilateral mm-hmm. until what, like 1964? Somewhere when around there. Albert Outler. Yeah. Doctor Outler, that seventy times fast. Um. <laughs> yeah, I, I I usually go with like Doctor Outler. There you instead go. Instead of fumbling over Al, Albert, Albert Outler, yeah. you I don't have, have to say all those la 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 la's getting yeah. in the way. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of er, a lot of errs in that name. There and las. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he he called it the quadrilateral mm-hmm. in in like '64. And and so people ran with it. They yeah. really began to understand it and um, accept that sometimes when we think we understand something, we know just enough to be dangerous and mess it up. Uh, yeah, I think that's the case here. Yeah. yeah. It is. And it's a very common subject in confirmation. That's one of the reasons we're doing this is for that kind of adult confirmation, um, um, whether you— you went through confirmation a long time ago and on a revisit, or you never did, kind of get down to brass tacks, talk about some of these building blocks of our faith. Um, you know, this is this is good for us to do a little bit of a deep dive on mm-hmm. because uh, and even Outler himself later on said, well, maybe I shouldn't have come up with that shape because it's right. kind of led to some <laughs> misunderstanding yeah. about it. Um, and so it's worth talking about because it is useful, but we kind of have to— you know, we have to be careful with it and be be um, be sure that we're being fair mm-hmm. to um, to the idea itself. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and the concern, you know, we've talked about Outler kind of 
um, coming to regret maybe using this word quadrilateral. The concern is mm-hmm. um, that once we start talking about, you know, shapes with four sides, you know, those can be squares, those can be yeah. rectangles, those can be the weird funky things with all sorts of different sized angles within them. Um I, that was really descriptive. I'm sure someone's imagination <laughs> really understood that because yeah. mine didn't. Sam's um, listening right now and he's like. <laughs> his mind is blown. It is a shape. <laughs> I believe it. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> what what ends up happening is um, folks hear quadrilateral and they kind of think equilateral. That right. we give the same weight to tradition as we do reason mm-hmm. or the same weight to experience as we do scripture. Right. And Wesley would say no. No. He would yeah. give you a big fat X on that. Absolutely not. Yeah. Um, for he would Wesley, pull out the red pen on yes, you pretty quickly on that yes. one. Yes. Um, for Wesley, um, Scripture was of primary importance. Yeah. Um, and that was actually a big part of, um, would you say, his conflict with the Calvinist? Is that maybe what we would want to say? Oh, there was some conflict there, yeah. <laughs> and you can read about some of that conflict in other writings by— Albert Outler. (laughs) (laughs) Very well done. I'm impressed. I I, I said it. (laughs) So, yeah. um, And and the reason for that is, uh, you know, we're we're deep diving into Scripture and tradition today, so we're just going to go ahead and take off with Scripture. And, um, you know, first of all, defining it, what we understand Mm -hmm. Scripture as. Um, And so we start with those 66 books of the Bible that that we have. Um, that we call uh, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Right. Um, and what we are saying when we call that scripture is we believe that it is inspired and it is sufficient um, for everything that we need regarding our salvation. Yeah. Um, fair enough so far? It, it is. And, you know, the so the, the doctrinal statement of the church, of the United Methodist Church on this, mm-hmm. in the Book of Discipline, um, actually derives from the the Articles of Religion um, you know, that Wesley adapted from the Church of England. And mm-hmm. so, you know, he didn't come up with these. He he inherited these uh, and did a little bit of squashing, you know, pushing yeah. things together and stuff. Um, and then we still go by that today. Um, yeah. And so this statement is from, you know, many years ago, at the beginning of the Methodist movement, the beginning mm-hmm. of the Wesleyan revival, uh, when he adapted this over into our branch of the family tree or what became right. our branch of the family tree. <laughs> uh, and... What's interesting is in a lot of church doctrinal statements, uh, statements of belief, statements mm-hmm. of what the church teaches, um, you'll they'll start with, and this is pretty commonplace these days. They start with a statement on scripture. Yeah. Um, and 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 what Wesley did with these articles is it actually starts with Article One is on the Trinity, uh, mm-hmm. the importance of the Godhead. Article Two. Um, then is the word, uh, the word or the Son of God who is made uh, human. Article three is on the resurrection. Article four is on the Holy Spirit, or as, as says, the Holy Ghost. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was import- of utmost importance. You start the list with that, and then Article five is where we get the statement on Scripture. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and what he pointed out there uh, is that the Holy Scripture, it contains all things necessary to salvation, uh, so that whatsoever is not read therein, uh, nor may be proved thereby, is not to be required of any person, that it should be believed as an article of faith or thought, uh, or be thought requisite or necessary to salvation. Hmm. Um, and so that was the focus, is what is what is the church's statement on uh, Scripture need to focus on? Um 
hey, listen, everything we need for salvation is in there. Mm-hmm. And that was the purpose. Yeah. Um, and so you can look at that two different ways, um, I think. So we're not going to add anything to it. We don't make up extra stuff to add to it that for, for salvation's sake. Um, and also, uh, you know, it, it's we, we, as long as we focus on I think, you know, and, and the, we, we look at the whole Bible as inspired and, and the Word of God, but kind of the, the pinnacle there is the revelation of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, His uh, incarnation, His earthly ministry, um, His death, His burial, His resurrection is kind of the center of the story. And so we, mm-hmm. um, when we experience salvation in Him, like that's what everything in the Bible gets filtered through too mm-hmm. for us. Um and so I think that's an important thing to say. This is where we start. Yeah. This is this is of primary importance. And primary is the important operative word there, right? Right. Not not alone. And yeah. I I really like that you brought up the articles of religion. Um mm-hmm. I feel like I'm making a bad pastor confession when I That's say the quote of the day. I did not crack the book of discipline <laughs> when I was prepping for this. I went straight to my Wesley and the quadrilateral book. <laughs> oh, which is very good. And, it is very good. And in full disclosure, you, when you walked into the room with that book, you said, hey, do you still have this book? And I was like, I've never had that book. And you said, why would you say, uh, John, we read that in our Methodist doctrine class. <laughs> We we were in that class together, for the record. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I think I, I checked out from the library. I didn't buy it. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then you confessed uh, defacing those books by making oh, sure you goodness. annotated them. Yeah. Uh, so you went um, to SMU Perkins, not yeah, Bright. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I might have highlighted a couple books in the TC library. I'm sorry, librarians. Uh, you made, and bibliophiles of all stripes. <laughs> you made someone's life who followed you so much easier. You are a saint yeah. in their book. <laughs> So, um, anyways, no, back to what I was saying. I really like that you brought up the articles of religion. Um, and, and once again, is the quote of the day. Yes. I'm really glad that you brought up <laughs> the articles of religion. Only in a podcast about theology will you hear that sentence. Um, <laughs> so, but, but because of the order Wesley put it in, I think some of this debate about, you know, prima scriptura, mm-hmm. um, which is saying that scripture is of primary importance versus yeah. sola scriptura, which is saying that scripture contains every answer to every question we could ever ask about our lives, yeah. right? Wesley kind of um, subverts that argument and makes it before he makes it when he decides to wait until the fifth article to mention yeah. scripture. Yeah. Um, he starts rightly where we should start, which yeah. is the Godhead. And and to touch on, maybe give a uh, just flash forward to um, the discussion of tradition. Uh, that's actually kind of the order of the creeds. You know, our, mm-hmm. the creeds, we won't get too much into tradition right now because we're still in scripture. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, that putting the statement about scripture first in the church teaching uh, list, I think is really kind of more of a modern um, po- post-Protestant Reformation, post-1500s, um, and especially in uh, the the West, in the North, North America and Europe, post-kind of 1970s, mm-hmm. post-Chicago um, Conference on Inerrancy, um, where this big statement was made on the yeah. inerrancy of Scripture, uh, kind of post that. So uh, this is actually, this predates, this ordering of the list predates a lot of what we assume to be the norm and mm-hmm. in, in Christianity kind of, where we are in the mix right now. Right. I mean, we're, especially in Texas, 
Mm-hmm. Um, we are in the midst of um, kind of, I like to say we're in the belt buckle of the Bible belt. Sure. Um, <laughs> but but we are surrounded by churches um, who in their doctrine will say it's sola scriptura, right? right. It, that scripture is inerrant. It is infallible. Every dot is on every I where it should be. Every T is yeah. crossed where it should be. That, that scripture should have primary importance in your life because— you don't live your life outside of it, yeah. period. Um, and so what I what I really appreciate about Wesley and this idea of prima scriptura is it recognizes that yeah. um, this is a living text, right? When we yeah. say this is the living word of God, um, adhering to this idea that scripture contains primarily everything we need for salvation acknowledges that A, this book we call the Bible is a collection of books and genres, right? Yeah. Within it, we've got poetry and history. We've got narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we've got things that are very, very angry and things that yeah. are very, very um, uplifting. Yes. I mean, so this is a living a living text, um, and it's written in a particular context. And so if this is a gathering mm-hmm. of text, these are also text over time. Yeah, and, and so every one from of different them, places and yes. different groups of people involved at different times. Yes, and um, you know that going just going back to sola scriptura, which is a doctrine of the Protestant Reformation again from the 1500s, mm-hmm. comes out of Europe, you know, out of Germany, yeah. out of Switzerland. Um, you know, with Mar- begins with Martin Luther. Um, you know that Latin phrase sola scriptura means scripture alone, mm-hmm. only scripture as the rule of yeah. faith, uh, as a rule of Christian life. Um, and prima scriptura is another option there. Mm-hmm. Um, and and what and to be fair, what Luther was reacting against was, because um, you know, he was, he started the Lutheran movement. He was, he started the Protestant movement to get away from the Roman Catholic Church. Um, but he himself was a Catholic priest. Um, I believe uh, he was a monk as well, mm-hmm. uh, and and a theologian in the church, a doctor of the church, a teacher of the church. And uh, he thought that the church was abusing its authority um, mm-hmm. uh, in that it would say, it would say, hey, the magisterium of the church, the teaching body of the church gets to say this, and it's on equal footing with scripture. And he just started to see that, hey, that's that's I don't think that's right. Right. And so he was reacting against that. And his reaction was to go kind of the other direction all the way, you know. Right. Uh, it, no, it's not the 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 authority of of the teaching of the church, uh, the traditions of the church, uh, doesn't bear on on Christian life. It's just scripture. Um, and what I find is, uh, and I've found this very helpful in, in uh, conversations with people on the subject, is. Wesley was often looking for the middle way in things. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the the via media. Which is what the Articles of Religion were originally. Yeah. If we want to get into the history of the crown. Thank you for bringing up. <laughs> I'm glad you brought up the Articles of Religion. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and and so what we find with this approach that we call prima scriptura says um, it's not scripture alone, it's scripture first. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is where we find our primary source uh, for Christian teaching and for living a life of faith. Um, but we know that it's we only approach it through our experiences, mm-hmm. through with our ab- ability to reason critically. You know, God gave us the gift of a brain and a and the faculty of human reasoning, um, 
and we're supposed to use that. Right. Uh, we also approach the scriptures with um, the traditions that we've received, mm -hmm. um, and that's been true since the beginning, since the birth of the church. Even you know, Paul, in writing his letters in the New Testament, would tell people, "Hey, don't forget what was handed on to you." Right. Absolutely. Well, and and isn't the call so often in Jesus' own teaching in the gospel? Remember, mm -hmm. yeah. right? Remember, you've heard it said. Yeah. Right. And so there is constantly a call to. Um, to scripture even then. Yes. Right? Jesus is referencing his own scripture as a, as a Jewish man. And so um, one of the, the interesting things that you're bringing up is this idea of, of the context that we bring to it and the context that, um, so we've talked the original context of its writing. There's the context mm -hmm. of the reader. Absolutely. There's the context of the church and there's, there's us, like yeah. our own lives. And so we're, we're always, um, always and forever, <laughs> yeah. Scripture is contextual. Absolutely. Um, its own, uh, the one in which we read it, and our own. And so um, when, when we're saying that it's of primary importance, we're not saying that experience and reason and tradition don't matter. What we're saying is they all matter and help us understand Scripture, and Scripture yes. helps us understand those. It's these really muddy, messy, um, or it's a really muddy, messy um, interdependence. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We don't, it, Scripture is primary. It's first, but we really don't approach it, you know, from a vacuum. Right. Yeah, I think is a good way to say it. We, mm -hmm. we do bring stuff to it. And then Scripture then feeds into uh, the other areas. That's a good way to put it. Um, and, you know, and we won't, um, we're kind of staying up high in the clouds of this conversation. Right. Uh, so we're not necessarily diving into, and this is what we're quoting, and um, mm -hmm. and here's a long list for you to go through on your own. But some of the issues that arise, okay, well, why don't you use a sola scriptura point of view? Mm -hmm. um, I've had people ask me that. And, and sola scriptura and, and the inerrancy statements, um, you know, they kind of get wrapped up. And one of the things I like to point out is, uh, you know, in that particular view, there are people who hold to that, mm -hmm. um, and they, they firmly believe in that perspective, and, and they act like, I'm just wrong, <laughs> you know, for it. <laughs> um, uh, but there are things that when you go into that, that and trying to take things literally and, and, you know, that they don't pan out in the actual belief system that they're espousing. So say, for, so some sticky situations arise, like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, they're in the big C Christian church, right? We we have these things in common. We all, we all do communion, yeah. you know, for Catholics, for Roman Catholics, it, it's, uh, you know, the, the Eucharist and the Mass, uh, you know, and, and for Protestants, uh, we, we do it a little differently, and there's a broad range of options on how to view communion. Is it ordinance? Is it sacrament? Um. And one of the things that Jesus teaches about communion in John chapter 6 um, kind of trips up some people who would say, well, it's not a sacrament. Sacrament's not in the Bible, so we don't use sacrament. That's mm -hmm. something that's added to the Bible, and we don't, we don't view communion as sacrament. So that's not biblical for us. Um, but along with that idea is um, they would also say, we don't believe in transubstantiation like like the Roman Catholic Church does. We don't believe that's a big fancy word. What we don't, are you meaning? We don't believe that <laughs> the bread and the cup 
literally become the body and blood of Christ. We we reject that teaching, and we just think that they're symbols, mm-hmm. right? That's a dis- big discussion in the Christian church. Oh, but, absolutely. But we all go back to the Bible to look for what we think. You know, in John chapter 6, uh, verse 53, Jesus is, is talking to some folks, and he says to them, Truly, truly, I say to you that unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood— you don't have life in you. Um, the one who eats the flesh uh, of me, the one who eats my flesh, and uh, the one who drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up uh, on the last day. For uh, my flesh is truly food, and uh, my blood is truly drink. And the one who uh, eats my flesh and drinks my blood is in me, uh, remains in me, and I in in that person. Wow, I'm and, so glad we're doing this episode in October. Right, because that I know. is creepy. <laughs> but, so you know, say that's, more. That's where that's where then we have to take the words of Jesus out of the Gospel of John, and then say, okay, well, what do we think Jesus means with that? Because that, if we're doing a literal reading, um, uh, you know, a literal inerrant sola scriptura reading on this. Um, I would have to say, well, okay, then do I believe in the transubstantiation of the Roman Catholic Church, even though I'm Protestant? Because mm-hmm. the, it seems like the Bible is teaching that it it is actually blood and flesh of Jesus, right? Um, and so we actually have to bring our critical reasoning to it. We actually have to bring the traditions and the teachings of the church to it mm-hmm. and kind of help inform and 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 develop you know, ideas on that. And and so that's where I find that approach to be a little limited. Yeah. Um, and I'm not calling people wrong who who believe in that. I'm that's that I'm not being ungracious. Um it's just that I have found the prima scriptura approach to be uh, more helpful mm-hmm. in a very practical sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, so it's funny that that you bring up the transubstantiation, which is that belief that the it becomes the literal body and blood. Um, I actually thought you were going to who was who was allowed to receive communion. Oh sure, um, yeah. But since we went to transubstantiation, you know, this is um, one of those one of those areas, one of those conflicts that arose in the early church mm-hmm. that um, having the ability to look through scripture. And even those newly forming traditions um, and reason at the time, I'm not going to say anything about experience because it's really Wesley that begins to identify experience as something that needs to be named. Um, But they can look through these other lenses um, and say, well, maybe we don't think that. And, And I bring that up because in the early church, this was a conflict. Christians were like... They were seen as cannibals. Um, yeah. They were a bunch of little Hannibal lectors running around. Yeah, there were there um, are like ex- <laughs> there are like existing pieces of Roman literature from the period, like uh, letters written by governors and stuff. Of like, hey, these these Christians are like eating babies or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we know where Jonathan Swift got the idea, right? Uh. Um, <laughs> so, um, so yeah. Is there anything else we want to say about scripture that we want to make sure that we hit? I know. Wesley called himself. Uh, I'm I'm horrible with Latin, and you are great with foreign languages. So correct me on the pronunciation. Uh, homo unius libri. Did I pronounce it correctly? Sure. Or is it unius? Anyways, he calls himself a man of one book. Mm-hmm. So uh, I raise that because again, we're going right into that. Scripture is is primary, yes. and um, we and we want to stress that that uh, prima scriptura does not negate the importance of 
the Bible compared mm-hmm. to the Sola Scriptura approach. And as a matter of fact, we're emphasizing it over everything because, uh, you know, for Wesley, it is first. It mm-hmm. is it is the source of our faith, and, and it contains, like, those basic um, criteria by which, um, and I'm quoting the Book of Discipline here yeah. at this point, by which the truth and fidelity of any interpretation of faith is measured. Nice. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's our... It's our first place we go. It's our yeah. source. Um, it's life-giving. Um, and it, we find, uh, you know, the written Word of God in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, and this is where we see the revelation of Christ, uh, the Son of God come in human flesh and His death, burial, resurrection, um, the forming of the church, the, where, you know, we, we are told, hey, this is your mission. Go do this. Go be, go be my people in the world. Mm-hmm. We, we get all that in Scripture. Yeah, Absolutely. So, so can I dive down a one more rabbit hole? Uh-huh. Have you ever checked out Wesley's rules for interpreting scripture? You know what? I should say I have, but I haven't <laughs> uh, because he ha- he has that, and he also has like some you know notes on the New Testament, which are kind of fascinating in places too. You know, he's a meth- There's a reason we're called Methodists. There yeah. was a method for everything. <laughs> there's a list so, for everything. Yeah. So I love his his rules for interpreting scripture because they really speak a okay. lot into what we have been saying. Um, I'm also going to tell you that because we're in the in the ethereal, and I'm going to steal from Sam, we're at the thirty thousand foot view. Um, I have summed these up in Christianese, um, so they're sure. not necessarily uh, John Wesley's exact words. But he okay. said, um, when you are interpreting Scripture, he said we are to speak as the oracles of God, mm. um, by which he meant use the language of Scripture, yeah. right? Um, he also said we should read scripture and use the literal sense as yeah. literally as possible unless it contradicts another text yeah. or is, and I love this word, absurd. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> absurd. I, I, um, I feel like it's a word he probably used a lot. Uh, I, I, You know, again, I've never seen a smile on his face. Yeah. <laughs> And I have yet to find a joke in a sermon. I'm still hunting yeah, it down. Still looking for humor in Wesley. <laughs> um, but he would also say his third rule is that the literary context matters. Yeah. Uh, so again, this is a living text. Um, and he would say scripture interprets scripture. And I love this. When I was yeah. um, when I was in seminary, one of the most formative um conversations I ever had was with Dr. David Gowans. He was my mm-hmm. um, intro to theology professor. And and he said, Kristen, whatever you believe about creation, whatever you believe about Genesis, you have to be able to hold it in Revelation. Yeah. And, and whatever you believe about Revelation has to hold with Genesis. So if these two things are diametrically opposed— Yeah. Right then, then something is wrong in our theology, in our reading, and yeah, and that's so, pretty profound. Yeah. Yes, so everything has to balance. So if, if if God is about making creation and calling it good and then very good in Revelation, God can't destroy that. So how does that shift the way I think about this apocalyptic piece of literature? Yeah. Um. You know what is what is the re- what does it mean for God to then redeem all of creation, yeah. which is what we as Methodists believe that that God is about in Christ, right? Mm-hmm. Um. So, uh, Scripture interprets Scripture. 
the Hebrew Bible in light of the New Testament, the New Testament in light of the Hebrew Bible. We're yeah. putting on these different lenses and doing so honoring the traditions from which this comes, right? We also don't want to be anti-Semitic as we read right. the New Testament. Absolutely. Um, and we want to acknowledge the places where we find some of those kinds of passages in the New Testament, mm-hmm. but that's a story for another day. Yeah, several um, <laughs> conversations we can have about that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, the fifth one is that uh, commandments are covered promises, and I just think that is Ooh. beautiful. Yeah, it's that's wonderful. Beautiful. If we believe that God is about relationship, mm-hmm. inviting us into relationship with God, inviting us into relationship with one another, um, what does it mean to look at these commandments? Mm-hmm. You know, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not murder, um, what kill. Um, what does that mean yeah. when I say that's a covered promise? Um, it really opens that up to be a lot less um uh cumbersome. Sure. Right? Because because uh, I think it's, is it First John where it said that the, the commandments of the Lord are not burdensome? Oh, yeah. Is it First I'd John? Have to, I'd have I, to look that I up. I could totally be wrong on that. Um, but, yeah, if we commandments were a, are covered promises. If we were a more legit operation, we could, like, say, hey, uh, fact checker, um, <laughs> you over there in the booth. <laughs> Well, we'll put Blake on it, and he'll let us know. And he just gave me the thumbs up. It is in First John. Okay, it is awesome. See, Look we at are, my memory. We are a legit First operation. John five three. Okay, so. we're a legit operation. We have a booth. We have a person in a booth, and um, Kristen's memory held. Um, we're also we're also glad about raising the subject of the articles of religion. Yes, uh, I'm so glad you raised the subject of the articles of religion today. <laughs> I feel like they have really helped our conversation along. Right. Um, <laughs> So the next thing um, that Wesley says, there's only two more, by the way. Number six, uh, and I love this. It makes my little English major heart go pitter-patter. Wesley said literary devices matter. Yes. So we need to recognize a metaphor as a metaphor. And yeah. We need to recognize um, personification as personification. Mm-hmm. That These devices matter in a big way. Um, and then he said, seek the most original text and best translation of that text. And I think in this, he recognizes that translation is itself an act of interpretation. It certainly is, yeah. And that's, I mean, that's, um, I think in my own personal Bible study, in my academic pursuits, I I took a lot of Hebrew and Greek, Mm -hmm. um, you know, for, and I I thought it was just a great tool for the classroom. Actually, what I've found is, I I find my personal reading in the original languages has just been so enriched. You know, Mm -hmm. my own, um, because, you know, we have so many wonderful translations, and I typically teach um, out of the NRSV at the church or the CEB, can, you know, can, depending on the setting. Mm-hmm. Um, those are good translations. Um, but, you know, interpreting them from the original languages is a gift. I know that's not accessible to everybody. I mean, you really don't need to stop what you're doing and go take years of language classes. Um, but I'm, I'm with Wesley on that. Go, mm-hmm. get, kind of get as close as you can, at least. Absolutely. It matters. Absolutely. So I like— You um, might like the way the message says it. <laughs> it might make you feel good. <laughs> I'm just but joking. It, but it may not necessarily be <laughs> the intent of the original text yeah. um, and may not make sense for our context because That's the funny. message itself was— Man, when did he do that? In the 60s, 70s? I don't even know. I should know that too, but 
it's been around a little bit. Yeah, it was it was when America decided things we needed some plain language. Yeah. Right. So, um, so there we have it for scripture. The the one last thing I want to add, and this is actually the whole reason that I came in looking smart with a book today. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a book that I'm supposed to have. A book that you are supposed to have. But apparently, I read um, <laughs> in seminary. Uh, but this book actually opens with a hymn of Charles Wesley, and it's called Whether the Word Be Preached or Read. Mm. Um, and I just love, love, love the second stanza of, um, I just called it a stanza because I'm looking at poem, um, but uh, the second verse of this hymn, how's yeah. that? The second stanza of the poem. Um, it really acknowledges that part of what makes Scripture living is the faith that we bring to it, that it's it's dead. It's just words on a page yeah. Yeah. if I don't go to it with faith. Um, and so the second stanza says, Unmixed with faith, the scripture gives no comfort, life, or light to see, but in me darker darkness leaves. Mm. Mm. plunged in deeper misery, overwhelmed with nature's sorest ills, the spirit saves, the letter kills. Mm. And there's just something... Um, in that, that I just absolutely love about allowing the spirit to do her work, approaching it with faith. Yeah. That's, um, and to think, you know, that's, that's so, um, rich and that those words have been around a while. They yeah. have. That's, that's such a, I I don't know if I've ever sung that hymn. I'm like. Yeah. It's number 595. I don't think um, I've ever sang the hymn. And it I'm was like, written in 1783. I need, go, I need to go look this up more because that's that, those lyrics are wonderful. They're beautiful, and and this whole the whole hymn actually kind of hits all four of the the pieces of the quadrilateral. Oh, um, very so, cool. So uh, it's, it's which awesome. is probably why they put it at the beginning of a quadru- quadrilateral. Book, absolutely, sure. absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we have spent a ton of time on scripture. Uh, it's it is first. It is first, and it is primary. It's primary. So let's talk about tradition. When you think about tradition, mm-hmm. um, how is it that we're defining that? Okay, so the scary thing for me, I think, just from my upbringing, was um, you know just it always had a negative con- connotation, just useless things you did, mm-hmm. you know, that were just added to the Christian life and they had no meaning or purpose. Um, but what I, how I understand that now mm-hmm. is that this is the capital T tradition, you know, not the lowercase traditions, you know, this, this message passed on, mm-hmm. this way of living and being in the church that has been passed on from the very beginning down to us, you know, and include so many different things, especially the creedal traditions. Um, yeah. You know, the Apostles' Creed. When we say the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed um, in worship, we're not saying something that we came up with. We received this. This was written a long time ago. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, um, it's been around for centuries. You know, the Apostles' Creed has been around almost the whole time. Yeah. Um, it, it, there are some very early forms of it that go almost all the way back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's, it's such a blessing for me to partake in a life of faith um, and kind of stand on the shoulders of those who came before me and benefit mm-hmm. from the work that they did, from benefit from how they constructed the worship life of Christianity. Um, and so it's it's a very, it's something I appreciate now later in life. I'll say yeah. that. But, uh, 
So what do you think of as the traditions of the um, church? You know what? It's funny that you mentioned creeds because I do automatically tend to go with creeds. Yeah. Um, because in them we're saying some things, right? I believe in God the Father. I believe in Jesus. We we talk about Jesus as um, begotten, not created. Yes. Um, you know, we're saying some really rich things theologically. Mm-hmm. Not only that, um, and I love it when our churches, those who are leading liturgy, point this out. When we say those creeds, we are joining our voices, not just within the body of our church, but within the body of the church at large today. Around the world. And voices throughout centuries. Right. These are truths that have been handed down. They have been found to stand the test of time, to hold true when we look at when we look at it in light of scripture. These are things Mm -hmm. that we generally agree upon. Um, for thousands yeah. of years. And so um, so that's it's a common story that yes. we're all living in. Oh, yes. That's a great way to put it. Look at you. I'm the English major, and you came <laughs> up with that. Yeah, it's it's this story we're all sharing. Yeah. Um, the other thing I thought was really interesting, John, when I was looking at this is um, I was looking at kind of tradition in Wesley's time yeah. and in our time. And, and what I thought okay. was really, really fascinating um, that this, again, Wesley and the quadrilateral, and I think it was, I think it was Scott Jones that actually wrote this piece on tradition. Um, but but he said, in Wesley's age, tradition was both revered and despised. Ooh, and I thought, wow, I, like that. I don't think we've come far from Wesley's age at all. <laughs> I don't think so either. Yeah. I don't, it, that actually kind of, I feel like that's kind of where I am with it too. Yeah. Because I say, yeah, there's like parts of me that like love it and parts of me that just kind of the way I was raised and stuff, maybe I push back a little or, mm-hmm. yeah, I, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. And and Wesley himself, you know, he uses tradition. Um, it, what's fascinating is he uses it once in a while to uh, defend the church, mm-hmm. but he actually largely uses tradition as a check on the right. modern church. Yes. Like, listen, modern church, you need to remember who yeah. you are. We have strayed from where we came from. Yes, and, yeah. and that idea of tradition kind of calling us back, these liturgies, these hymns, these, mm-hmm. um, you know, the practice of, of communion itself is part of a tradition. Right. The practice of baptism is part of a tradition. Yes. These things call us back into the core of mm-hmm. who we are. We even have a tradition of reading Scripture. Yes, right? we do, <laughs> and rules to guide it, yeah. eight of them. Eight um, of them. <laughs> Eight simple rules, not for dating a teenage daughter, but for reading scripture. Um, (laughs) So, um, Nice pop culture reference. Yeah, thank you. It was like a super aged pop culture reference. Your references are sick. (laughs) (laughs) You know, last week it was Cobra Kai. (laughs) This week it's eight simple rules, and I haven't even watched that since I was like, I don't know how old. Um, Not that long ago, because I'm not that old. Neither is the show, right? Um, Anyways... Uh, so this idea of appealing to tradition as a check on the church to remind us of who we are and whose yeah. we are and um, who we're coming from, right? right? We honor the voices of those who came before us, yeah. not in a cold and dead way, but in a way that that mm-hmm. um, recognizes. Um, I, I don't want to. I don't want to use the word reveres, but maybe recognizes, honors, um, cherishes. Yeah. Maybe that's the word I want. Yeah. Um, the work that they have done to bring us where we are. Yeah. Right? No, and that's wonderful. And you, and, and this goes, uh, it just goes all the way back to the beginning. 
Mm-hmm. You know, think about even where Scripture came from. You know, these stories and teachings of Jesus. Jesus going to this city and healing this person. Jesus going over here and feeding these people. Uh, Jesus stopping with his disciples and teaching them this. Um, you know, biblical scholars will tell you that, you know, hey, this comes from, this was probably passed on orally first before it was written down. So these traditions were passed on orally and then mm-hmm. written into Scripture. And Paul, like I mentioned earlier, he tells other early Christians, hey, keep keep hold of that thing that I passed on to you. Yeah. Um, and then Wesley was really big into going back and reading the patristics or the church fathers, mm-hmm. these early theologians in the life of the church that had so much— um, you know, they had really had a big responsibility yes. to live kind of after the apostolic age, that initial age of the church, and and begin to shape and form what we still hold. Mm-hmm. And that's where he would go back and get a lot of those checks on the modern church was, Absolutely. hey, listen, if I go back and read, you know, John Chrysostom, mm-hmm. um, I'm seeing that we're not doing something right here. Yeah. We, we, we need to be called back to first things mm-hmm. and, and get away from this extra nonsense we're doing. Absolutely. You know, it's absurd. Yeah. <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> I First of all, I need to add a correction. I was wrong. It wasn't Scott Jones who wrote it. It was actually Ted Campbell who wrote the, oh. the tradition part of, okay, of cool. this book, uh, which I bring up because um, you're kind of leading me right into one of the things that Dr. Campbell points out is that Christian tradition can revitalize our time. Wesley knew that in yes. his time, and I yeah. think we on some level know that in our time, and, yeah. and I think we can see that. When we see like our age bracket, so millennials, um, mm-hmm. kind of pulling away from the the um, kind of pizzazzy, lit up kind of worship services and moving back toward um, styles of worship that are a little bit more like taze or high liturgy, um, those kinds yeah, of We were actually talking services. before we recorded it. It seems like there's been kind of a boom in, mm-hmm. you know, Anglican uh you know, a kind of a return to Anglican churches for a yeah. lot of younger people. And, um, you know, and, and that's, you know, there's some traditions in that that just provide some mm-hmm. richness, some depth. Yeah. Um, and again, speak and bring life into it. And so it's almost like we've talked about Scripture. Hey, unless we come to it with faith, it's it's dead. It has to be, but it's brought to life by faith and it enriches us. Um, you know, tradition's kind of the same too, I think, in that, it's not dead. It is kind of living, and mm-hmm. we're part of it. We're adding a new layer to tradition as Absolutely. we as we continue going. Um, one of my favorite ways that tradition was explained to me, kind of a more positive sense, was um, you know picture a river flowing you know through kind of through history mm-hmm. uh, from the beginning of the church all the way to today. Um, you know, and we're we're standing in that river. Mm. You know, with with at least one foot firmly planted in it. Um, and then kind of another foot out on the bank exploring around. Yeah. But we're always connected to that river that that's flowing. It's, this is what we've received. We're in the current ourselves, mm-hmm. and we're going with it. Um, even when we stray from it a little bit, we're kind of called back to it. Yeah. Um, and it's it's been, you know, uh, it's been a good check on the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that idea of, of having a foot in the river is interesting because it also acknowledges— that we are affecting the flow of the yep. river as well. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Um, that where where that foot is in the river is now an object around mm-hmm. which that water has to move. Um, yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I like that. Uh, the other thing I wanted to add is is when we talk about tradition, we're not talk about I we're not talking 
use words, use words well, <laughs> use good words. Um, <laughs> we're not talking about, um, we're not talking about idealizing the past and saying this is forever the way that it has to be. It's not an idealization of the past. It's right. an integration of it. Does that make a, sense? Oh, yeah. That That's a very helpful way to put it, I think, for folks. Yeah. For me, at least. So... Um, I'll just turn myself into folks. <laughs> You'll just—you are folks. That's me. I am folks. And when I say they say, uh, I also mean me. <laughs> I, I say. So you are a primary source. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love it. So that's that's really kind of what I wanted to cover with tradition is mm-hmm. you know just kind of an acknowledgement that the ancient church has something to offer us and yeah. um, we see that and it's easy. Uh, I love that you talked about coming to it with faith because it is easy to get in a church service and just kind of, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Mm-hmm. And and just to kind of let those words roll. Yeah. Um, we had a, it was a song in worship. Um, it was when we sang the blessing a few weeks ago. Yeah. We sang the blessing and and we got kind of, we got like two minutes into this song and and I was just kind of singing it. And then it was like, it was like a flood of the spirit. It was like, yeah. listen to what you're singing. Yeah, L- these are the very words of scripture that we are singing out, not yes. for our own benefit, but we are literally blessing everyone around us uh-huh. as we sing this song. And and so that's that's what we're talking about when we talk about tradition is is the yeah. spirit moving so that these words aren't rote and dead and yes. um, these practices aren't rote and dead that we see in them a grace we can't explain other than yeah. to say it's just this mighty rush of the spirit that happens yeah and it's um and, and when we kind of go back to where we started about kind of that um, the traffic that goes back and forth between these different pieces of the quadrilateral yeah um you know something that you said at the beginning was, you know, uh, you know, our faith is revealed in Scripture. It's illumined by tradition. Mm-hmm. So, like, the role that tradition has here is, you know, it's illumining. It's lighting up, mm-hmm. um, um, you know, the faith, our faith that is revealed in Scripture. And yeah. so it's, you know, tradition is, is supports Scripture, right? Absolutely. You know, and, and I think that's, that we, we get so much from the richness of our, our tradition, like the Trinity. You know, like mm-hmm. the word Trinity isn't in the Bible, but we're Trinitarian. Yeah. We believe in God, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, creator, redeemer, sustainer. Um, and, and we interpret that from Scripture through the lens of our tradition. Mm-hmm. You know, that's And that's just kind of a, a practical, everyday, hey, how does this work then? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and, and it really is an ongoing conversation. I love between it. Between the two, yeah. So um, I think... Poor Blake may end up having to accidentally cut this into two parts. <laughs> yeah, this might be two episodes. We, yeah, 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 yeah. We might end up doing more episodes than what we had in, intended on the quadrilateral, but it's good and rich conversation. So, yeah. hey, if you are listening and you have a question that has come up, we, um, John and I have, have known each other for a while. Uh, we took classes together. It's really easy for us to slip into conversation with one another, <laughs> and we know what we're saying, um, but we, we may sound... Um, a little bit, uh, I don't want to say exclusionary, but it, it may just not be explained very well. Right. So, yeah, I'll own that. 
So if you if you have a question, um, drop us drop us a question um, on the West Pod's Facebook group. You can email it mm-hmm. to us at thewestpod at gmail.com. Um, or you can just go directly to one of us, Jay Reeves at whiteschapelumc.com, uh, Kay Warthen at whiteschapelumc.com. Um, we would love to hear your questions and respond Absolutely. to them um, in real time. So yeah. uh, next time we're diving into... Reason and experience. experience. Yeah. Um, so that will be a whole lot of fun because I feel like that is almost like two parts of our own personalities. Yeah, um, I'm the introverted thinker. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the introverted thinker in me is like so excited about talking about reason. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's funny because the extrovert in me is super psyched to talk about experience. So... Um, We will be back next week with some more. Hey, between now and uh, next time, remember that the best of all is God is with us. Amen to that. Bye, guys. See y'all later.